While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Or are you just like checking your email? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> usually we just start, usually we just start talking and then hit a weird segue and then we segue. Hello and welcome to Overdue. <laughs> this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And every week we take a book and we talk about it. We usually have something to talk about first that isn't related. We're kind of a little, a little running on empty this week. Yeah, we got other stuff on our minds, which is which doesn't mean that our discussion of this book is going to be bad. Because I I don't think, I mean I don't know how the next forty five minutes are going to go, but I think it'll be okay. <laughs> what? Uh, here's something. All right. What is the one thing you do when you don't want to do the stuff you have to do? I usually do other stuff. <laughs> Is there like a, cause I know I don't clean, have we talked about this on a previous show? We, yes. I clean a little less often than I probably should. Um, but I will, I will start straightening up if I have work to do. Like if I have stuff to do, I will be picking up clothes and putting books away and getting my life in order because I don't want to face the things that will actually put my life in order. Yeah, right. Like I just, and that that applies both to like domestic things and to um i don't know like i'll start i'll start finding like little fix fix up projects to yeah. do around the house like uh-huh a couple weekends ago Susanna was out of town and i don't remember what i was supposed to be doing probably writing something or something <laughs> and i decided to like paint over the last of the graffiti that was I decided to like find a ladder. I found the like jankiest old ladder in the basement and I decided to paint over the rest of the graffiti on the outside of the apartment. Yeah. I'm a- and I got that done and it looks good now, but whatever it was that I was supposed <laughs> to be doing did not get worked on during that like hour and a half. <laughs> I I don't put things away as often as I should either. Like I will just like kind of put things down when I'm not using them. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I tend to start just putting stuff away when I am procrastinating, kind of hoping that whatever I am supposed to do also gets put away, I think, <laughs> is the idea. Sure. I mean, do you, do you distract yourself by doing related activities or just No. Okay. I was supposed to be I was supposed to be doing some like reading and and uh writing like last weekend and I all of a sudden I found myself like straighten up the office and I can't possibly work if these chairs aren't in the right spot because yeah, i moved right. them when i had people over come on there's, there's also that i think related sub thing where you realize that you're not getting anything done like pretty consistently and you figure that there's like this one thing you can get or change that you can make that will totally fix all your productivity problems forever well, i know what when it is. really the dishes the are dirty is, the problem is you the dishes are dirty that's what's preventing me from uh, being productive that's not it 
I'd just get, I'd get back to all those phone calls if I just did my laundry. That's how it works. Yeah, pretty much. Um, speaking of laundry, I guess we got a, <laughs> we got a, a fan email this week. You said we did get a fan email. It's from our old friend Colleen. Hello, Colleen. Um, Colleen, how are you? Was, I'm she, good. <laughs> are you reading it right now? Are no. you writing it and reading it right no, now? No, I'm just telling. I'm just saying we're fine. Uh, she says, "Dear Crandrew." That's a pretty good name. Um, I enjoyed the Rosemary's Baby episode and all the spooky stories in general. Thanks. Uh, Kevin and I, I I think that's her husband, right, Kevin? Yeah, I know. We did go to their wedding, so. I'm playing dumb for the radio. Oh, yeah. No, Um, it's, yeah, I guess it's her husband. I'm social engineer. This guy I know, Kevin. My friend Kevin and I, my stranger friend Kevin and I, recently watched the film Rosemary's Baby. Uh, It seems like Roman Polanski stayed true to the book. Um, if you have you watched the film, Andrew? I have not. No, I have. I like I said on the podcast, I haven't really watched it either. Um, she wanted to know what our thoughts are on the adaptation, so we'll have to get back to her on that. Um, she thought it was pretty uh interesting considering how soon it was made after the book, which happens. This, I was kind of thinking about that when I saw Gone Girl like a week or so ago, which is a book that people have recommended to us, and now I don't think I can read the book because I saw the movie. Oh, maybe I'll have to read the book because yeah, I haven't read seen it. the movie. Yeah. Um, she also just said, uh, that she had fell behind on the show for a little while, but enjoyed catching up. Apparently it's a good show to listen to while cooking. Um, and her PS, she says, don't you think Rosemary's boobies would be a good name for Rosemary's baby porno? (laughs) Obviously. Yes. Yes, I do. I'm just going to let that one hang there for a little bit. (laughs) So to speak. Uh, speaking of sexy time stuff, Andrew, you decided to read a book this week that you promised me would be just as sexy as it was spooky. What book did you read this week? Um, on the recommendation of our our listener and friend Kirsten, um, I read a book by Anne Rice called The Mummy or Ramsey's the Damned. And uh, yeah, when, when we put out the call for spooky books um, earlier this month or maybe the end of September, whenever it was, I jokingly asked if we could get some books about sexy mummies up in here because there's the sexy vampires of Twilight. There was that, like, Frankenstein, like that. Do you remember recently there was that Frankenstein movie where there was, like, this ripped, like, sexy Frankenstein fighting sure. monsters? There was that. I mean, there. Do you like, mean Hellboy? What are you talking no, about? No, not Hellboy. No, nobody <laughs> thinks Hellboy is sexy. Why he's so misunderstood? But there's a lot of sexy monsters, yeah, sexy there's... misunderstood monsters. Uh huh. Uh huh. I wanted some sexy mummies, and so this is the book that I got. Okay. In response to my question, <laughs> had you read any Anne Rice before? I had not. No, had... and I didn't. I didn't really know enough about her to know like what kind of an author she was. Like the book, the the dust jacket for the mummy talks about how erotic it is. So like, I didn't know if. <laughs> If she only wrote erotic books or if she wrote like, you know, erotic throwaway end cap at Walmart fiction or like what kind of stuff she did. But like, what is your what is your exposure to her? So her first big break was Interview with the Vampire, which was made into the the smash film starring, I believe, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, a very brooding Brad Pitt Mm -hmm. and Kirsten Dunst. I think Benicio del Toro was there. And you were there, and you were there. Um, 
And then there were a couple of sequels to that. But after she wrote an Interview with a Vampire and people kind of liked it, um, she wrote these two like really hyper-researched historical novels. Um, I'm trying to find their names because I forget them. Uh, Feast of All Saints and Cry to Heaven. I don't even know what they're about because apparently they were not very well received. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, the reason she wrote those in the first place is because critical reception to Interview with a Vampire was... Uh, was unkind. Yeah, and she had a hard so time getting it published in the first yeah, she, place. Yeah, she she shopped it around to different publishers. She like developed OCD in there somewhere. Yep, from the rejection of it. Yeah, yeah, and like bad. it was four years I think before she got it published, and then it was not well received at the time, and so she retreated from genre fiction for a while. But I'm I'm happy to report that she went back to that well. Well, one of emphatically what, like many times. <laughs> What I have, I've only read three Anne Rice books, and they were all written only under... Only three? <laughs> they were all written under a pseudonym. I don't think I've read three books by anybody. <laughs> that's not true. I'm just that, joking. That's not true. Um, Lord of the Rings. You've though. read plenty of R.L. Stein books, I'm sure. That's, um, that is absolutely true. <laughs> you you, like used, you used to live on Fear Street. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I did own a vacation house. I owned a summer house on Fear Street. <laughs> hate you uh yeah on an ill-advised uh reading excursion in high school i read uh the three erotic novels that Anne rice published under a pseudonym okay they were an erotic retelling of the sleeping beauty myth (laughs) that sounds gross there was like sex slavery and lots of it was weird. Okay. It was, it was weirder than Fifty Shades, let me tell you that much. Okay. Okay. So I'm not surprised that she just kind of snuck a whole bunch of sex into her other books. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I there's other, you know, trivia about Anne Rice that we could that we could kind of talk about she i mean i think our favorite one was yeah you want to talk about it her birth her first name at birth was howard yeah howard conflicting stories about why her name was howard um the story that she tells is that her mom was sort of hippy dippy and thought that it would give her a leg up in life to have a man's name which like knowing some people who have like gendered like gender versatile what is the term i'm looking for they I have names i can't can help you either boy names or girl names i can't that, i've never heard gender versatile before that's i've just made it up okay it's very it's very it's very in vogue that term that i made up all right no comment um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think that 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 is not entirely unfounded like the idea that a man's name or something on a resume would get would get noticed in a way that a woman's name. Oh, might not. I, I've yeah, I've heard. Um, I have a couple colleagues who've used, uh, if they use initials as their names instead of like their actual name, mm-hmm. um, either on resumes or or like marketing materials, they've done that in the past, and it's actually, I think that they've stopped since because I I think there's a better cultural dialogue around that type of thing now. Hopefully. Um, but Unless well, you play yeah, video games. One would think. Um but that's definitely something that people have done. Um mm-hmm. and people have I was talking about that actually in the office a couple weeks ago of uh people getting different responses on their to their resumes based on what their names are on paper. 
um, for better or for worse. So, yeah, I I could I could see why her hippie mom might have thought that was a good idea, and then maybe why Anne Rice was like, "No, thank you." Yeah, apparently on the first day of school, she like a nun asked her what her name was, and she said Anne because <laughs> she did not want to be Howard, and then she got it legally changed later. Okay. Um, we can talk about this as we talk about the book, but I think what, what was kind of, uh, not pioneering, I I would say that her work in, in the vampire books that she's written, because she's written like 10 of them at least. (laughs) I believe Um, they're collectively called the Vampire Chronicles, right? Yes, yes. They've kind of informed a lot of contemporary vampire fiction as, you know, popularizing this vampire who is like a tragic, wistful character? Yeah, um, who kind it's of all lam- just paving the road to sexy vampires? Yeah, basically, um, kind of lamenting their immortality rather than just feasting on a bunch of dumb humans. <laughs> From interviewed with the vampire to angel to twilight, that that's you could draw that flowchart. I, I think mean, I, there might be other stops on that bus route, but that, <laughs> that's the start and the end. <laughs> Yeah, when you look at it on the schedule, it's you go in one direction, you go to vampires. Uh, well, on Saturday, you don't stop at Angel. It just it's the Express <laughs> that goes right to Twilight. They were rerouting it to Spike for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get off and take another bus. <laughs> uh, but the main the main thing is that you know critics on you know not just people like critiquing her work, but as people have been writing about her work, they say that she identified with the vampire identified with the other rather than identifying with the victim which i think is something we saw when you read dracula like a Mm -hmm. long time ago is that those stories were always about the victims of the of the supernatural um and i think anne rice was at the forefront of this wave of fiction that was about the vampires as the heroes or um as the people to be identified with sure yeah and um yeah, I mean, she's, you know, even even if critical reaction to her stuff has generally been kind of mixed, she has had stuff hit the New York Times bestseller list and hang out there for quite a while. So she's, you know, the 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 general public receives her stuff pretty well. So she's, you know, she's she's successful, and I think she has secured her place in like the pantheon of genre fiction at this point, right? Yeah, I I seem I think of her the same way I think of Stephen King. Like yeah, she's just, yeah, yeah. She's just there. She's writing stuff, and people are always going to read it. Um, and people are going to have their own opinions about it based on what they feel about those genres. But uh, she spins a good yarn, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's find out. How was okay. how was the mummy or Ramsey's the damn? Why is there an or? Just you know, whatever, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> the just, title is a choose your own adventure. Just A B testing that the book of the name. The name of the so, book. But, this book is about a mummy. It is about a mummy. Okay. And it's his name is Ramses the Dams. Okay. <laughs> All right. This book was published in 1989, and I'm going to start with the ending first. It ends on a cliffhanger, but it was never followed up by a sequel. Okay. But, but, but in just this year, she was saying that she's getting back into the fictional universe that she established in this book, and she may, in fact, write a sequel finally. Ramsey's 
the mummy or the damned. That's not a good title. She well, can, we're she workshopping can it. She's got she time. Can, the mummy too. <laughs> Still damned. Um, so there's this book. There's this book. And um, yeah, it it feels like an attempt to establish another franchise that just didn't end up going anywhere. Okay. Um, so it takes place in 1914, uh, primarily in England, but also some in Egypt because you know mummies. <laughs> All right. <it's- laughs> I feel like we're gonna have to be careful not to just constantly just go because you know mummies. Because you know, you just you know how mummies are. Ugh. I, okay, can before you before we get lost in mummy sex plots, can you what is an Anne Rice mummy? Like I have a good idea of what an Anne Rice vampire is. They're very wistful, they're very pretty, they're very old, you know. They're not as like sparkly as Twilight vampires. What sets an Anne Rice mummy apart from any other mummy that you've seen? It depends on the mummy. Like if, Wait, there are if, multiple mummies in this book. It's called The Mummy, Andrew. Some mummies <laughs> or Ramsey's The Damned and Friends. So it's, yeah, it depends on the mummy. Like if the mummy, just, just for example, just to throw something out there. If the mummy has not drunk eternal life elixir, then it's just a mummy. Okay. Does but if the mummy walk around? No, they're just they're just dead mummies. Okay, so it's not like all mummies ever get to go blah. And no, like no, no. Them. It's okay. only if the mummy drank eternal life elixir that it mixed from common ingredients that it got from a wise old witch woman. <laughs> okay. Um does it is it able to get up and walk around? But it needs the sun, so like if it has been in the dark for a long time. It's just going to go into this deep sleep and it's not going to be up and walking around and having sex with people. Okay, so it's like a reverse vampire, but the but darkness yes. doesn't kill it. It just puts it to sleep. Right. And there is, at least in this book, there is no way to kill something that has been affected by this super elixir. So why didn't more people drink this elixir? Because only Ramses knew about it. And he didn't How want to convenient. give it out to everybody because he realized early on that it could be a blessing and a curse. Go mm. figure. Mm. <laughs> like, here's the example. Here's the historical example. Is he tries to give it to some animal, animals. Some animals? <laughs> yeah, almost said animals. We'll just roll with it. Um, some animals and some plants thinking like, oh, we'll harvest this wheat and then it'll grow right back. Yeah, totally. And nobody will ever be hungry again. But then he discovered that when people ate the wheat, like it just went down inside them whole and they all died. Oh no. <laughs> like it kept restoring itself like inside them and and it ah, caused ah, widespread calamity like, among like, the like the urban legend about eating a watermelon seed and then you get a watermelon inside you. <laughs> Is I forgot all about that one, but yeah, it's like that. <laughs> Except like way faster. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, so um, Ramses was on to it. He was like, "Guys, please don't eat my magic fruit." Yeah, so Ramses is this is this Egyptian pharaoh, like way back in the day, and he drinks this this magic elixir, and he's the ruler of Egypt for a long time. And then he decides to go to sleep, but he tells the people who tend the cat- catacombs or whatever 
that if any ruler of Egypt ever needs some like really sweet advice, <laughs> like come and shine the sun on me and wake me up. So many centuries later, Cleopatra, the oh. Cleopatra, not just some Cleopatra. No, actual Cleopatra. Yeah, like historical Cleopatra comes and wakes him up. Okay. She needs some advice. And they fall in love, and he's trying to teach her how to be a good ruler. And she's doing fine until Mark Antony shows up. No, wait, I read this play, and there was no mummy in it. I believe the play is apocryphal. <laughs> I think this is the this is the historical account. Okay. So Antony shows up, and Ramsey's like, this guy, Antony's bad news, but Cleopatra loves him so much that she, like, she follows him into ruin, basically. Oh, and okay. She, and she dies, and, and you know, the, the snake thing and the whole deal. Yeah, yeah. Was he going to give her the potion, do you think? He wanted to give her the potion, but she wouldn't take it because he wouldn't give it to Antony because he did not want Antony to be kicking around forever. <laughs> That's he probably, did not like Antony. That's probably wise. Antony would have had sex with all of us by now. Yeah, so there's like, he does have the sense that with this magic super elixir, like great, with great power comes great responsibility or whatever. Like he realizes how awful it would be to have like armies of immortal soldiers running around and killing everybody or like. You know, what if everybody on earth got got their hands on this elixir and just nobody ever died and we all ended up suffocating ourselves because there just wasn't enough room left for us we couldn't die oh no that would be the worst could you imagine being stuck on a subway train full of infinite people who couldn't die that would be pretty bad oh god they'd all smell so bad (laughs) oh and then someone would fart and no one would die because of it oh god does that i don't know what Philadelphia is like, but I have not experienced if, that one myself. If you were stuck in a subway car and people were crammed in like sardines and then someone farted, someone would have to die. It's the cosmic balance. Man, that's that's one that I have not heard of that one. <laughs> it's from the same so, book I got the watermelon thing from. <laughs> what like Ben Franklin almanac <laughs> did you read all this stuff in? It's called Rich Richie's Almanac. Uh, it <laughs> died out. Just before Poor Richards got popular. Yes. It was his first try, and then he decided <laughs> so pen name. to go more like populist with Poor Richard. What <laughs> was reading it. Um, so so this, this all happens like before the events of the book. This is, this is like the backstory. And it's like, un, is it unspooled as the book goes along? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You get snippets of it in flashbacks from Ramsey's perspective. Okay, so is Ramses the protagonist, or are we dealing with some British folks? He is one of many protagonists, and I'm we're gonna run through this chart that I made later. I made a chart, okay, of all the characters <laughs> oh, no. and their relationships to one another. The last time we did this was Jane Austen, and it didn't work out too well. This is very, I, this is like an Austen novel worth of foppish aristocrats. Like Great, it's very, it's a very tangled web. Okay. Uh, yeah, so so we get perspectives from a lot of characters in the book, some protagonists, some antagonists, some people who are just hanging around. Um the book actually begins with this guy Lawrence Strat- Stratford who is an Egyptologist and he finds the tomb of this guy Ramses and he's like, "Well, didn't Ramses like wasn't he supposed to have died like way long ago? It's weird that he's in this tomb that has like you know, Roman Empire era markings on it oh, in like Greek and Latin and whatever. Yeah, like the one thing I'll say for Anne Rice is that she does seem to 
like she returns to Egypt a lot of times in her work, which I which I take to mean she is she has more than like a passing familiarity with everything. She seems to be pretty pretty up on uh, how to dive into either a location or a particular historical era. Like yeah, a lot of her vampire work centers around New Orleans, which is where she's from, and she's kind of she has a vested personal connection in that place, and and really seems to try and draw it out in her work. So I'm not surprised yeah. that that she's into Egyptology or whatever. Yeah, so this like, book like needs. apart apart from the the stuff where there's an immortal mummy man running around, <laughs> like it's pretty historically <laughs> accurate, you know, like broadly anyway. This is this is me talking from six year old Roman history knowledge, but <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Except for that one thing, it's pretty good. So this guy Lawrence Stratford finds Ramses um and is like all excited about the discovery. And then his nephew, Henry Stratford, who is on the trip with him for a reason that I can't figure out, but I think it's just because he has to be for the plot to work. Uh-huh. Um he is okay, so Lawrence has this brother Randolph. Mm-hmm. Lawrence and Randolph together built this big shipping company. Mm-hmm. Lawrence retired because he wants to go off and spend all his time with mummies. Mm-hmm. And he leaves it to Randolph. Mm-hmm. Randolph is Henry's dad. And Henry is a big mooch. And he's just mooching all his money off him all the time. Like, because mm-hmm. he's going to bankrupt the family. And so Henry wants, you know, he wants what he imagines he is due from Lawrence. Like, shares in the company, just money, money, money that he can blow on gambling and alcohol and prostitutes. Sounds good. And Lawrence is like, you are an idiot. I am not giving you any money. And so Henry takes some poison that's sitting in the mummy tomb and gives it to Lawrence and Lawrence keels over. Oh, no. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Now go back to England. Go back to London specifically. Oh, God. Lawrence's daughter, Julie, is pretty sad that her dad is dead. Seems reasonable. Imagine. Yep. Um, is Lawrence's- he a mummy yet? No, nobody's a mummy yet. Except Ramses. Except Ramses, who is a mummy, but he's like in his coffin and Sarcophagus, nobody... excuse me. I'm sorry, he's in his his sarcophagus and nobody knows that he's a magic immortal mummy man yet. Okay. All right. Um so Lawrence's assistant Samir and you know, cousin Henry bring back all the stuff from this Ramses tomb. Including Ramses. Yes, including Ramses, and they're gonna display it in this this private collection of mummy stuff that Lawrence has. Cool. He just has a a mummy room. Well, had people, excuse me. Well, his yeah, Julie still has the mummy room okay. that they right. display mummy stuff in. And there's this weird subplot where like the people who run the museums hate the idea of this private mummy collection, <laughs> but it doesn't like it barely factors in. So we're not gonna spend a lot. Of time the mummies are for the people. The people <laughs> must see the mummies. <laughs> I want my mummy. <laughs> Show me the mummy. <laughs> mummy, 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 mummy. Mummy. <laughs> um, all right, so they bring Ramses and all this stuff back to the mummy room. And again, for reasons that I'm not really sure why, except because this needs to happen for the plot to move forward, they decide they're going to have like an open casket mummy showing. Wait a second. 
that wouldn't be allowed a hundred years later. I saw I saw a mummy a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and they were only letting me see it with a video screen. Like it was in a box, it was in a sarcophagus box, but they had like laser screened it so that I could see its face on a computer. Right. And and it's obviously because of what happens next in this book is uh-huh. when the sun comes out, Uh-oh. the mummy comes back to life. <laughs> So yeah, Henry is his trying to get Julie to give him the same stuff that he wanted from Lawrence, and he once again tries the old mummy poison and the coffee trick on Julie, okay. and then this mummy stumbles out of its sarcophagus and attacks him, <laughs> and eventually, like all his all his linens and the dust and stuff falls off of him, and it turns out that he's this hunky handsome man. Well, he's perfectly preserved. Yeah, in that well, box. I mean, the sun, the sun, like restores his skin and musculature and his hair and stuff. Oh, so did he come out looking all gross? He came out looking all gross, but he very quickly became quite fetching. Oh, how is he described in the book? Do you um, have like he, a good sexy quote? He's a natural ruler. He puts people at ease. Um, no, like when we fir- do, you have a good like. I'm sorry to put you on the spot for something like this, but I kind of really want to get a sense for how sexy Anne Rice thinks this mummy is. All right, I'm going to give you when the mummy wakes up, and then I'm going to give you when she realizes, when Julie realizes how hunky this mummy is. I can't wait. Oh, my God, I can't wait. All right. Um, For what she saw behind him, him being Henry, caused her to freeze in her tracks. Reason ruled against it, but the evidence of her senses was undeniable. The mummy was moving. (laughs) The mummy's right arm was outstretched, the torn wrappings hanging from it. As the being stepped out of its gilded box, the scream froze in her throat. The thing was coming towards her, towards Henry, who stood with his back to it, moving with a weak, shuffling gait, that arm outstretched before it, the dust rising from the rotting linen that covered it, the great smell of dust and decay filling the room. So that's like a classic mummy. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's straight up mummy. That's like out of the movies. That is a mum e coming <laughs> at you. All right, and then, uh, all right, so the mummy, like, gets cleaned up. Like, she, it, it, Ramses is attacking Henry because he, you know, through his his deep, dark sleepiness, knows that Henry killed Lawrence. Oh, weird. Yeah, and Julie is being all nice to the mummy, so so Ramses is, is... into her and kind of like her. when babies are in the womb and they can tell who their mom is is I that what's guess. happening i don't know if ramsey's just like imprinted on her or what the deal was <laughs> um okay so, so then- it's 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 i'm trying to think of a parallel thing but it's like when two beings who don't know each other and can't speak the same language but like have no ill will toward each other like they're more curious than fearful like that's that's their initial interaction with each other are you talking about the first time you brought home your kitten like what are you talking no 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 i'm just like i don't know i'm sure this happens elsewhere in fiction anyway um, there's that scene in love actually where uh that guy (laughs) falls in love with that lady then they can't speak the same language maybe that okay it's just like that scene in love actually is it like that one or is it more like the one where the guy from the office is in porn which what the, <laughs> the guy from the British office when he's in the oh, I can't make it past the first episode of the British office. I'm sorry. Okay. Never. I know mind. that makes me like a 
a heathen a terrible person yeah but all right tell me how sexy that mummy is please all right they they realize that they have no ill will toward each other okay they're just trying to figure out how to communicate and the uh, sun healed him by now yes the sun has healed him dear god she thought this is not merely a man gifted with beauty this is the most beautiful man i've ever seen What's so beautiful about him? He just has he has this flowing brown hair and these blue eyes and he's very muscly and he's just he's a good he's one good looking mummy. Oh man. Um this is a little later in the same chapter when he's uh I don't know, she's she's in like a slip, I guess. This happened pretty early in the morning, so she's still in her in her jammies. Wait, in the mummy room? She's in her jammies in the mummy room. Yeah, but the mummy room's in her house, so, you know. That's what you get for putting the mummy room in your house. Well, if you had a mummy room in your house, like, you wouldn't always put on your three-piece suit to go check it out. I'm not going to put my They're bath- your mummies. You can go in there naked if you want. <laughs> I'm not going to go make some coffee. Check this out, mummy. put my bathrobe butt on the sarcophagus while I read the newspaper. <laughs> um... Yeah, for the first time, she understood the simple meaning of the word regal, and another word came to her quite unfamiliar, yet perfectly appropriate. It was comely. Ew! And it struck her that no small part of his beauty was his expression. He appeared wonderfully clever and wonderfully curious, though quite collected all at the same time. This is all sexy monster. Did all those words begin with C? Many of them, yes. Oh, it all goes um, back to comely. He was not looking at the lace. He was staring at the shape of her breasts beneath the loose silk at the contour of her hips. He looked at her face again, and there was no mistaking his expression. It was passionate suddenly. He drew closer and reached out for her shoulders, and she felt his warm fingers tighten. So, okay, this is like, this is, Kindle tells me this is 21% of the way through the book. It sounds pretty sexy, right? Like, it sounds like they're just, in a lesser book, I think they would bone down right there, even though he hadn't, he hadn't speed read a bunch of books and learned english in half a day which he does okay that sounds um, like a good montage that yeah I could like, watch. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine i have the tiger playing <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm now getting snippets of that scene in austin powers where he's like sadly watching tv playing with that like nike pump up air jordan and like he doesn't understand what time he's in <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting sad time traveling mummy in my I'm brain not, right now. I don't know why you're doing that. Okay, but, um, so in a lesser book they'd bone down right in now. In a lesser book they would bone down right then and there. The thing about this book is they don't bone down until like over halfway in. What else is this book about then? There are lots of moments of tension and stuff. Okay. But they don't bone down until halfway in. I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff. I f- there's so many people <laughs> and they go so many places. Um, let's, we don't need to talk about the whole plot. What's going on in this book? What is it? All right, let's, what is let's it just, about? Let's just give you the, the gist of it. Cause that, that, the mummy stuff that explains Ramsey's deal uh-huh. and like he and Julie are obviously going to be cool, like sex wise. Yeah. They had, they had a good mummy meat cute and <laughs> it's going to work out <laughs> <cute>. for them. <laughs> mummy cute. <laughs> So yeah, so they Julie makes up this name for him, Stop Reginald Ramsey. Stop it! Stop it! And he's supposed to be an Egyptologist that is just visiting from like, out of the country. What what accent does he speak with? He, I mean, he learns English with a 
with an English accent. Okay. So he starts out by mimicking the things that people are saying, and then because he learns English from English people, that's how he sounds when he talks. It's like it goes from the the. Uh, never mind. I had a, right, I had a joke, and then it left me. Good talk. <laughs> it the the sun went down, and my joke retreated into a sarcophagus. Julie. Reginald Ramsey, this friend of the family named Elliot, Elliot's son, Alex, who is in love with Julie, but the feelings aren't reciprocated, and also crappy cousin Henry, and <laughs> all decide to go to Egypt together. Just to, like Because Ramsey wants to see the place where he was from and just get some closure on some stuff, because it turns out that Ramsey is still kind of in love with Cleopatra and still kind of is pining for her a little bit. Well, that makes sense. He he yeah. basically was probably having like dreams about her for millennia. Yeah. So um, this this is going to factor in pretty heavily here in a little bit because Ramses still has some of the the magic mummy elixir. Was it just like in his pocket? With. He yeah. He does actually literally strap four vials of it to his belt and carry them around with him, which doesn't seem super safe. Like, if someone bumped into you, you could just have life elixir running down your leg? Gross. Ew. <laughs> no. You got to take that back. <laughs> that sounds like a real bad middle school, like, embarrassment moment. That's it does. Terrible. We're just going to roll. We're just going to roll. roll oh, with it. Um, God. Keep going. So he, you know, he's on the boat going to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Or no, they, they've arrived in Egypt at this point, And he buys, like, this mummy hand from some huckster on the street is he like this is my friend's hand what have you no, done he's, he's like this is a legit mummy hand this isn't just some guy who they made some body they made into a mummy okay um and he pours some of the life elixir on it because he doesn't know exactly how powerful it is like can it just make things that are alive live forever can it bring stuff back from the dead and through his experimentation on this hand which starts flopping around in the sun great he discovers that the life elixir can bring stuff back to life does it like turn into like a full person? No, it's just a hand, and he is like terrified by what he's done, and he chops it up into little pieces and he throws it into the ocean. Oh my god! <laughs> so now, so he chopped up Thing from the Adams family. Yes, he chops up Thing. Later on, the whole party goes to a mummy museum in Egypt. Okay, that's as specific as I can remember from the geography. Just that it was in Egypt. You don't it know what city. It was in Egypt, and it was a mummy museum. And it was and near a pyramid. And Ramses at this point is like, oh, this is not the Egypt that I remember. I'm super bummed out. I just want to leave. Like, he's every <laughs> he's every eight-year-old who's ever been dragged through a museum <laughs> until they get to the end, and they find this anonymous mummy that was just, like, Stop found... It. In this mudslide. Stop and it. It's, and it's Cleopatra. No. And he recognizes her and he goes back to the museum at night with a vial of mummy elixir and he brings her back to life. But he does kind of a crappy job and he doesn't get the elixir everywhere. So she's kind of like half How does that formed, work? And no. her brain is not like all the way restored. No. So she's kind of insane and she starts killing people. And then later on, Elliot helps her help. Well, first he has sex with with her. Wait, even though like some of her bones are still sticking out. Oh, no, stop it! Oh, hey, wait a second. And then he helps he helps Ramses like rub more elixir on her and restore her fully. Okay. And then 
Cleopatra kills some more people. But she's still a jerk, even though she's like back to normal. She she is really mad at Ramses because he wouldn't give Antony the elixir. Still, like it's you know she's been revived hundreds, thousands of years later. This is like when you and, run but, into but it's wake. like this, it's just like she woke up and she still like feels all the feelings. This is like when, when you died. run into a friend from high school and that person is it like this and. Though? And you all of a sudden just start feeling all the high school feelings about him. And you just get mad at him for things that are 15 years old. Except in <laughs> this time, it's 1,500,000 years old. Neither of those. Yeah, that number's not right. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like, I don't care who farted near you in band class. Like, get over Why? it. You, you have farts on the brain. You got to. Why is all your stuff with farts this week? I'm sorry. I don't have a bad experience recently um so cleopatra i don't know almost kills julia but then thinks better of it and then tries to run away with elliot's son alex who is thoroughly smitten with her like they also have some sex great um and then like cleopatra's car gets hit by a train and they all assume she's dead because the heat or whatever of the explosion would not have existed in Ramsey's day and maybe that's the limit of what the elixir is and then Ramsey's okay Elliot is not well he's kind of an infirm dude and he's following Ramsey's around kind of secretly hoping to get at some of the elixir even though he's you know fundamentally benign and he and Ramsey's are kind of friends like he's not one of those he's not like a Boromir kind of figure <laughs> who's driven mad by the thought of getting the elixir okay um, so Ramses gives some elixir to him and gives some elixir to Julie. So at the end of this book, we have four people running around being immortal. Ramses, Julie, Elliot, and Cleopatra, who actually is still alive. And the book ends with Cleopatra seducing some other guy and vowing that she would see her friends soon. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Like, there was... <laughs> The book like momentarily flirts with these interesting ideas about like immortality being worse than mortality. <laughs> okay. And then it told like it acts like it's gonna do that, and then within like the last ten pages, everybody's drinking life elixir. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, so if if she does write a sequel, I'm kinda gonna be drawn to it just by natural curiosity because like where uh, I don't know. Like, does it take place now? Like in oh, now that's, times? Oh, that's with the, everyone still being immortal. God, that's the worst of all possible like, worlds. Ramsey's poked his iPhone distractedly. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this app. He thought mummily. Stop it. <laughs> he would start some sort of like mummy Tinder app. Mummers. Yeah, find other sexy mummies. It's called Mummers, like Mummy Grinder for mummies. <laughs> Embalmer. Embalmer with, no, with, a, with no E. Stop it. <laughs> so it's like vaguely about immortality? Yeah, yeah. I mean they 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 Ramses often seems sad and sometimes he gets these I don't know, he sometimes he realizes just how lonely he's he is and how lonely he's gonna be if he's the only immortal guy running around. Like Yeah. And and there are those I don't there there are books that engage with that idea better. And she's and done think, that as well in her in her vampire books. 
Okay, and I rice has. Any of them, so I don't, I don't, I don't have any context for that. Okay, but um, but yeah, like even like it made me think about, and I know I just made a Boromir reference, but it made me think about Lord of the Rings. Okay, because elves are immortal and men die. Yes, and even though there are some men who are like, I don't want to die. Why do I have to die? Like the purest of the men, I guess, like understand that it's a gift not to have to be endlessly alive all the time. Well, you, yeah, you see that in a bunch of kind of fantasy and sci-fi where there's like other species that live longer than dudes. Right. And, and dudettes and dudes and dudettes who only have about like 80 years on this earth at the best. Or on some other planet. Yeah, or on Earth 2 or whatever. Um, <laughs> they we went and found it another planet. It would be called Earth 2. <laughs> like Earth 2 brought to you by Coca-Cola. Earth 2.0. <laughs> Share an Earth 2.0 with your friend Steve. Earth um, 2.0 service pack 1. Oh, God. We'd have, the next planet would have patches, wouldn't it? Yeah. Ugh. Um, Bug fixes, but it's it's the like you always the the old aliens are like oh well you humans you always get stuff done because you always feel like you're running out of time you never take the long view but maybe maybe we need that because you have an energy and a giddy up that we don't because we're old elves <laughs> or whatever like that's it's weird a- that all these these elder races learned giddy up <laughs> we actually that's learned very... it from them I don't know. If okay. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually an elvish word that means odd oh, sit down you're making me tired yeah there, so, so there are other books that engage with that idea a little better and this one acts like it's going to and then doesn't what gets in the way sex just love basically <laughs> like well elliot what, just wants to feel like a young, love get in the way elliot just wants to feel like a young man again and ramses wants julie to be with him forever and julie wants to be with ramses forever okay i'm just thinking like imagine if you moved in with somebody and then like a year in you realize that you were not gonna be compatible forever okay like you can't take back your decision to drink everlasting life elixir that's true you keep like what happens if julia and ramsey's like break up in 50 years and their their whole eternal existence just becomes one big Jennifer Aniston movie. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like a movie <laughs> I don't want to watch. Oh, that sounds like the pits. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess. Does it have That's... any? Does the book wrestle at all with like stuff Ramsey's has done? He hasn't done much. He's been in that box a long time. He feels bad about. I don't know about killing the the soothsayer lady who gave him the elixir formula, and he thinks at one point like maybe I've brought all this bad stuff upon me because I immediately killed the person who gave me this formula for the elixir. Like, of course that's what's happening. Okay. Do you think you don't kill magical old women? Yeah, that's a good way to get a curse. It is a great Idiot. way to get a curse. <laughs> Do should he have not killed her and then she would like cure him? I don't even, I don't, it is possible that that's the thing. Because he does sometimes, like when he's trying to investigate the properties of the elixir, like play with the idea of of making a cure, if only. And I think like the subtext is this is why he killed the witch lady in the first place. Is like, if only to make it so that somebody bad getting their hands on this would 
not be unstoppable. Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah. And then, I don't know, there are other stuff. Like Henry ends up getting his neck snapped by Cleopatra. And then he is embalmed by people who embalm bodies and sell them as ancient mummies. Uh, and so I if if in the sequel he does not get life elixir rubbed on him and come back for revenge, like I'm gonna be super disappointed. Oh yeah, that's a good The Mummy to Henry's Revenge. That's a good end of season one reveal. Is that if if he's alive, you know? They... I think I don't know if it's end of season one. It might be beginning of season two. Oh, that's the pretty good. End of the premiere episode. Ooh, when he yeah, they haven't even talked and about it. And that sets like that that sets the arc for the rest of the season. God, we talk about TV too much on this show. That's fine. TV's great. <laughs> <laughs> Is this book okay? Is it great? Is it kind of silly? It seems like it was kind of silly. It's a little silly. It's a little convoluted. Um, I may scan the character relationship chart that I drew. And put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, it looked pretty good when you showed it to me. I think you should. Um, How spooky was it? It was not very spooky. It was not as sexy as I was hoping. Like, they they don't... Nobody has sex until halfway through the book. And after that, the sex is... I don't know. Like, Cleopatra has a lot more sex than Ramses does. And when she shows up, the book pretty much tells you that she is kind of crazy so you're not like supposed to be into are you supposed to be into her sex and my my one criticism of Anne rice's writing around like the the sexy parts is that she needs a thesaurus that tells her more words for penis what does she use she uses sex oh that's right she does yeah oh which is probably my least favorite word for genitals. Is does she use that um for both genders? Uh mostly for for penis, mostly for penises. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I I I was more into the plot than I thought I would be. It, like as silly and convoluted as it is and the book was probably a third as long as it needed to be or the other way around. It was probably a th- like 33% too long. Okay. That's fair. That's an accurate form of measurement. Um All right. I don't know. Like like I, I liked it okay. Like I I would not be uninterested in reading a sequel if she got around to doing it. How does the would what kind of book does it feel like? Is it like a is it just kind of like an adventure book? Is it like a mystery? Is it a it's more, I mean, you are almost always in the room when things are happening. So even when the characters don't know stuff, like even when Julie or whoever doesn't know that Henry killed Lawrence, like you, the reader, were there when it happened. So it's not a mystery so much as, as it is an adventure story, I don't think. Okay. An adventure slash love story, I guess. Even though all the love is pretty telegraphed and... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, not super interesting. You don't, do you think she was hamstrung by by the mummy conceit at all i i don't think so because there aren't there aren't too many stories about mummies that's that's why she went for it yeah and i mean they weren't really mummies because they just became immortal hot people oh man what if (laughs) after they were restored with the life elixir like what if you gave life elixir (laughs) to some uggo like an ugly mummy i was just thinking what if people had sex with like classic mummies like, that would be that would be another kind of book, I think. I think it would be a very different book. 
Yes. So that's that's the mummy or Ramsey's the dance. You choose, depending on which way you feel when it's over. <laughs> uh, if you have a sexy mummy story that you'd like us to read on air, <laughs> keep it short. Um, Whether you just read it in a book or if it happened to you. If it happened to you, we're here for you. Please tweet at us at twitter.com slash overdue pod. You can send us a Facebook message at facebook.com slash overdue pod. Just like our friend Colleen, you can email us at overdue pod at gmail.com. And I forgot to give a quick shout out to Nata, I think, Nata, uh, who tweeted at us about our Lovecraft episode. So thanks, Nata. Um, you can also go to our website at overduepodcast.com where we have Amazon links to every book that we have read, uh, the ones that we have, you know, have plans to read and, uh, you can click those links. It'll take you to Amazon. You put those books in your cart, you check out with your amazon.com rewards visa card and we get, I mean, you don't, you can use whatever card you want, whatever, but we get a little <laughs> cut of that money that helps defray our book costs and our hosting costs and just generally makes us feel pretty good you know when we have some more bills to throw on the pile mm-hmm. um we also have links up there to our rss and itunes feeds which you can use to subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they're posted um if you subscribed in itunes do leave us ratings and reviews because that helps us in the rankings and it makes us feel good and it's just it's a nice thing to do it is a nice in thing exchange to do. For all the awesome mummy-based entertainment we're providing you with. Send us your Each favorite mummy week. pictures. I want some mummy yeah. pictures. Yeah, mummy us up. All right. Yeah, wrap us in mummy pictures like we are mummies. All right, as we wrap this up, Andrew, I think we Ooh, should so to speak. Uh, say that next week, <laughs> next week you will actually be away. Um, so we're going to do something a little different. Uh, I know we, we want to do them sparingly, but in the spirit of Spooktober, uh, which is a great name for a boat now that I say it out loud. Um, really Hunt for red Spooktober. <laughs> a really spooky boat. Um, uh, we are going to read another Choose Your Own Adventure book um, in the spirit of kind of getting another show up next week while, while Andrew is away. He's getting married. Married. Um, and so that we don't leave you guys in the lurch for a week we're going to do another one of those uh hopefully it'll be fun we are reading what is it called andrew you are a monster <laughs> it's a very accusatory book uh so i'm interested to see how that goes and then the week following uh we're going to do a guest episode with myself and a good friend of ours and i believe a murakami book am i saying that uh i'm, I'm not sure mm, we'll we'll do more extensive research for the next mm, episode so we can so we can fill you in yeah it's gonna be a murakami <laughs> book but i don't remember which one so yeah uh look forward to that that'll be in the first week of november not spooktober yes, spooktober will have come to a close if you have really compelling like turkey fiction to, <laughs> to send our way like do that for november i guess and then we'll we'll probably be on the lookout for some holiday books in December, right? Because we hit some of the big ones. We hit Christmas Carol. Yeah, I want to um, f- send us send us your obscure holiday books, and let's all obscure, all holidays like are welcome. Christmas, yeah. Even if it's not appropriate to December, all holiday I mean, suggestions. I want some Hanukkah books. I want some Arbor Day books. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Um. All right, is there anything else we got everything? Nope, hit him with the clothes. All right, everybody. Don't 
have sex with mummies and try to be happy. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Thank you.